Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Wednesday, July 17th, and this is episode number 56. I'm your host, Rod Bloom, and with me today are several guests. We have a, a, a great show planned for you today. Uh, first of all, I'm going to bring in my brother, Jeff. Uh, just say hi, and uh, how are things going for you, Jeff? Well, going about as well as can be expected, Rod. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Um, no complaints right now. Um, you know, working at home and haven't been getting outside much, but uh, what can I say? You know, no complaints. Uh, also, I'm uh, fortunate to have with us uh, making his debut on my podcast, uh, Slim Dog. Slim, it is a pleasure to finally have you on the show. How are you? Good, good. How are you, Rod? Hello, Jeff. Uh, great to be here. Thank you for inviting me to Brown's Blitz. And I hope we were able to have a great discussion and learn some things and, and see some, uh, get some great views. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's a pleasure to, pleasure to have you on. And last but certainly not least, uh, Dwayne Evans. Dwayne, how are things going for you this evening? Can't complain at all. Working on school, uh, just finished the long day at work, but you know, life is life. We got to keep moving. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it doesn't stop. We all kind of put in our hours, and, and uh, yeah, yeah. I think it was long, it was a long day for me too, and and uh, you know, but I've been looking forward to to talking to you all, you guys. So, uh, so we're gonna we're gonna get this rolling. Um, you know, we've been talking about this show for for a couple of weeks, and we're really going to talk about. You know, I was trying to think. There's really a lot going on, and and uh, to me, that this what we're really talking about is, is racism in America. And there's 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 so many subtopics to this, guys. Um, so many. We could probably talk for eight hours. Uh, you know, going over everything. Uh, but I really want to try to cover the, you know, the things that we feel are key uh, mm -hmm. tonight and, and the time we have. And I just I really feel like racism is is what this boils down to. And the, the killing of George Floyd on May 25th was it was really a, a catalyst for. A lot of things to happen for, for protests, and um, we're hoping for, for progress and eventually equality. So I think we have a great, uh, a great panel here, um, you know, great guests, uh, different experiences. And I just we're going to start out. Um, you know, first of all, I think we're going to discuss our, you know, our just giving. I, I want to go through this kind of by giving our experiences and our thoughts, you know, and not so much just talking about what's in the news and, you know, saying the same mantras and everything that we hear all the time. So um, what I thought we would start by doing is is uh, just kind of each of us taking a few minutes and giving um, a little bit of a history of, of ourselves as far as um, in our lives, 
our experiences with with dealing or um, our, our, our history, I, I shouldn't say dealing with, just our experiences with people of different ethnicities and how that was for us, maybe growing up, uh, maybe every day. Because um, we know that some people, uh, you know, some people just by where they where they were born, where they live, um, you know, some people it's common for them to, to be around a lot of people of different ethnicities and some people it's not. So I thought, first of all, we, we would kind of go through that. So um, Jeff, I introduced you first. Why don't you kick us off? Sure. Um, well, I, I just want to start off by saying, guys, that um, I'm very proud of my younger brother for taking this project on tonight. Um, I know that this is well outside of his comfort zone. Um, Rod, if, if anybody anybody that follows him or knows him um, – <laughs> is well aware of how much he tries to distance himself from um, anything political or, or controversial. Um, probably why he has such a strong following on Twitter. Um, but um, this is, this is such an important topic um, and it relates to all of us um, as sports fans, uh, as human beings. Um, and, you know, None of us really has the full picture. So um, I think the, 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 my takeaway in, in, in everything that's gone on over the last few weeks um, is, is one side of um, that perspective. And hopefully all of us talking together can start a dialogue um, that moves us into a positive direction. Um, I think, Four years ago, I just kind of threw my hands up in the air with the conversation about Colin Kaepernick. I got tired of trying to discuss the topic with friends and family members on Facebook. Um, there was a lot of false narratives. Um, there were um, people just sort of set in their ways and not willing to listen to why what he was doing was necessary. Um, and, and we all kind of fell victim to pointing fingers at each other um, about this and that. And my takeaway by looking at that a little bit closer over the last few weeks was um, when Nate Boyer and Colin Kaepernick spoke um, about what he should be doing to protest, um, that dialogue was probably the most important thing. The fact that, you know, they both had important views. They both had strong opinions on things, but they were able to share those views with each other and come out of the other side with um, sort of a consensus on a go forward plan. Um, none of us can fix all this, but by talking it through, we can at least have a better understanding um, of each other, where we come from, um, and hopefully um, start in a positive direction. So anyway, long preamble. Sorry about that. Um, yeah. My, my experience. Yeah, my, my experience. <laughs> back to the question. Um, you know, Rod and I were talking about this the other day. We we grew up in a predominantly um, Italian 
Catholic neighborhood. Actually, two neighborhoods we grew up in were predominantly Italian Catholic neighborhoods. Um, we were the Protestant kids. Um, you know, all that really meant to us was, you know, we knew that on, I think it was Friday night, um, there was nobody to play with because all the other kids went to CCD. So that, you know, from that perspective, um, you start to recognize that people have differences in how they live their life. Um, my earliest exposure probably to um, different races and so forth was um, when we were living on the east side, um, next door neighbors um, sold their house to their cousins, their cousins moved in, um, their son became one of my best friends, uh, but they had moved um, out uh, from, I want to say, Cleveland Heights or someplace uh, further in. And, you know, the, the conversation was about, well, you know, we had to get out of that neighborhood because it was going black. Um, it's an uncomfortable thing to talk about now, but the reality is, is that back in the 60s, there was redlining. There was all kinds of things going on um, with real estate and, and how people were selling their houses, um, how they were excluding certain buyers, how uh, certain people were being um, limited to certain neighborhoods. Um, and, and essentially, you know, the, the white flight that took place during that time period was my first exposure. I, I really had never met a person of color prior to that. Um, you know, again, surrounded by a bunch of Catholic kids and, um, you know, didn't really know much about it. So, um, obviously that's a negative first impression. Um, and then everything from there forward in my life built on that impression, uh, probably until the time I went to college. Um, Rod and I went to Solon High School. Um, I think it was pretty, um, pretty white at that point. Um, 99%. Probably. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, really, uh, we weren't exposed to, I mean, there might've been a couple of Asian kids or something, but that was it. Um, yeah. and right. you know, I went to, um, Cuyahoga community college after high school, did my first two years at the Eastern campus. Um, and it was very racially integrated. Um, not only that, I mean, we had um, older people, um, you know, going, going back for classes. I mean, it was completely different from my experience in high school. Um, so I got to meet a lot of different people who were pursuing an education. Um, and I'll just share one quick story about a guy I met at, at Tri-C Eastern Campus, and it was in my sophomore year. Um, I was a commuter. Everybody was a commuter. We drove our cars in, we parked in the parking lot. We walked into class together. Um, I had a, a Pontiac at that point in time. And there was another guy named Pete Adams who had a Pontiac and, you know, we we're both Pontiac guys. And it's like, you know, that started the conversation, right? Hey, I like your Pontiac. Okay. Um, well, we got to be study partners and friends eventually uh, through that, that one year of sharing a bunch of classes. Um, 
the thing that, that stands out the most in my memory of, of Pete Adams was um, when we used to have lunch together in a cafeteria um, on campus. And there were obviously a lot of different groups. And, and I didn't really know a heck of a lot of people um, at Tri-C. But, uh, you know, Pete knew me. I knew him. We had lunch together and um, before we did our next class. And people would kind of look funny at us because, you know, I'm this white kid from the suburbs. He's this black guy from the inner city. Um, and eventually, you know, he just got kind of tired of it. And he would call some guys out and say, what's your problem? You know, and they say, why are you hanging out with that white kid? Blah, 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 blah. And he, he looked at me and he looked at them and he, there was a, a napkin holder, um, on the table. Um, you know, in the cafeteria, there are these like dispensers right and he he pointed at the napkin holder dispenser and he said that's black pointed right at it that's black and then he pointed at the napkin he said that's white he said jeff and i we're not either one of those so why is this a problem and that has resonated with me for 40 years um it's, you know, maybe it's an oversimplification, but the reality is, is that we're more alike than we are different. And the, the really only the, the regret I have is that after our sophomore year, um, I went to Kent, Pete went down to Central State, we kind of lost touch. Back in those days, there was no social media, there weren't cell phones, so we couldn't stay in touch. Um, I really didn't know much about Pete for a while until I read an article in the plain dealer a couple of years later that, um, unfortunately he had been stabbed to death. Um, and again, it just kind of made me feel like, geez, I wish that he and I could have stayed on the same path. You know, I, my life went one way, his life, unfortunately went another way. And I think that's a reflection of what we're talking about tonight. That, you know, I had every opportunity in the world to be successful. And for him, it was a daily fight. And he ended up losing that fight. So that's my that's my personal experience, um, at least part of it. Um, that's an oversimplification again, but that's kind of the perspective I come at this with. And I hope that by having this conversation, engaging with everybody, that um, we can share that message with other people and hopefully we all can benefit from it. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, Slim? Yeah, good stuff. Great story, Jeff. Um, first of all, Brad, I want to thank you for doing this podcast. Uh, it's amazing what Brown's Twitter has done as far as this concerned, there's so many people out there that want to discuss this. And, and it makes me very proud to have people such as you and uh, the ladies of That's What B said, you know, Kevin and their staff of Voice of the Land, Always Positive J, David Big Play. All of these people are turning around and they want to talk about this. They want to learn about the experiences. They want to share people like me. People like Dwayne, you know, people like Jeff, people like you, Rod, your experiences with racism. So I just want to let you know, first off, 
that this is a beautiful, beautiful thing that you're doing. And, and I'm just uh, uh, so proud that, that uh, people are, are really starting to talk about this. Um, so I just want to say that first before I get That's into my, uh, <laughs> my little story. Uh, but I was, uh, I live in Colorado Springs now, but I was born and raised in Akron, Ohio. Catholic, you know, went to Catholic grade school, Catholic high school. I'm the oldest of, of three kids. My dad was a Summit County deputy sheriff, and uh, he was one from 1963. Uh, he was hired uh, as a sheriff at 22 years of age in 1963 until 1984 when they moved out here to Colorado Springs. And so uh, I came from um, uh, you know pretty middle class uh, upbringing. You know, my mom worked at the uh, Akron AAA. Uh, she worked at the library when I was little. Uh, so uh, it was a very diverse, you know, you know, back in the day, you know, when I was going to school in the 70s, there weren't too many African-American Catholics, you know. So in my class, you know, there would be three, you know, uh, pretty It was basically uh, two of us, I think, uh, pretty much after that. But other than that, the community was great. Uh, lived in a mixed neighborhood, pretty mixed neighborhood. So it was all races in my neighborhood. Uh, my dad uh, worked a lot in the community uh, as a deputy. Uh, he would come in, you know, show off the cruiser, talk about his job and what he does, you know, what he does. Uh, also, uh, in high school, he would volunteer to do games, uh, things like he was a very visible fixture. And so everybody knew my dad. Uh, families would actually turn around and uh, their kids would get in trouble. They'd bring them to our house, and I would see my dad talk to these kids about going down the wrong path. You know, my dad literally turned around and took me and my brother down to the jail where he was working and actually put us in a jail cell, you know, and told us right offhand, you know, if you do bad things, this will happen to you, and I'm not going to come and get you. So it was very uh, uh, diverse. We weren't treated any differently. Uh, because of my dad, um, as far as maybe as far as the races, didn't start you know, seeing that until maybe I was in in high school a little bit, you know, um, not blatant, but you know, we had our groups. You know, you know, we all sat at different parts of the cafeteria and stuff like that. And and uh, but uh, as far as you know, me personally, as far as blatant racism, it really wasn't there. Our neighborhood, basically, that's what it was. You know, 
the white family across the street from us, the Boydos, they had my parents' permission to beat our behinds if they saw us doing bad. You know, the same with their kids. You know, it, it was, it was, you know, um, it was pretty much a community uh, that that uh, I grew up in in Ohio, and I think maybe because of the fad we share of. And he was very visible. That may have played into a part where I may not have seen it as much. You know what I'm saying? Because of my because of my father and his stature in the community. But you know, it was it was there. But maybe a fight or two, you know, uh, in high school uh, to the point where my dad had to pull both my brother and I aside and said, you can't fight every every time somebody calls you the N-word. And you can't fight every time. Sometimes it's better to be a man and walk away, you know? And uh, I some account, you know, uh, me and my brother, along with many African Americans, got told how to act around cops, you know, how to be, or especially white cops. You know, I hate to say that, but that's what, you know, my dad was a cop and he told us that, you know, and and I think those were some of the first lessons that uh, my brother and I got about racism and and how we're going to be treated maybe differently than the average person, you know. So uh, a lot of my lessons I got from my father and my mother, you know, growing up as, you know, as him being an officer of the law, you know, and working in the community. Thanks, Lon. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to you, Dwayne. We'd like to hear, uh, we'd like to hear your experience. Okay, my experience is a little bit different from from yours. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. My well, let, let let me preface this by this: I grew up in a military family. Um, my from literally, I'm like the uh, fifth or sixth generation of person of uh, family members to go into the military. Like my grandfather, well, both my grandfathers, um, both my parents. Uh, I got a host of uncles, aunts. My brother went to the Air Force. Um, my sister went to the Air Force. I went to the Army. My nephew and my little brother went to the Marine Corps. Uh, so it's like our, that, that's been our family. So for us is like I I I'll say it like this. Some I, I seen a quote the other day. The only person, only color that we saw uh, as far as racism was the green. That was the uniform that the person next for, per, next person to us wore. Um, but when I was younger, like when my mom was in the military, we were living in Fort Hood, Texas. And I, I just turned 40 this year. I think I was about five. And this little girl said to me, uh, we was out there on the playground. <laughs> and I quote, uh, God didn't love you enough. Uh, to turn you white. That's why he left you black. I never forget it to this day. Like I said, I just turned 40 this year. 
and I didn't really know how to react. Uh, I really still don't. I'm like, like, I'm like to to be that young to to say something like that again. I understand again growing up in, in, in the family that I grew up in that racism is not a born trait. That's something that has to be taught. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are taught to hate when you're when you're first born. You see kids and and they care they play with anybody until they're taught differently. Um, we grew up uh, watching shows like um, Family Matters and uh, A Different World and stuff like that. We saw that they talked about racism and stuff like that on on different shows like that. So me growing up in the inner city, I grew up in East Cleveland. I'm the third generation to graduate from, from uh, Shaw High School. Like we didn't have a lot of racism with, uh, amongst each other. Uh, we grew up. It was, hey, you cool with me? I'm cool with you. Okay, we friends, and that's that. My, I have two brothers and a sister that are half white. So again, I can never be <coughs> racist. I, that's just my family is half and half. So like, it's weird for me to see people who grew or who are like, I don't hate you because of the color of your skin. But what does that mean? I don't understand that. That that, that concept is foreign to me. It just doesn't make sense. Uh, to me, like I said, growing up in in a in a, in a family of military and brotherhood and we and unity and we got each other's back no matter what you wear you know or what the color of your skin or your or your background or your religious history hey when you put on uniform you you just like me you know so i, I got your back yeah. you got my back and we go and we go across these waters and, and we fighting against you know uh terrorism and al-qaeda and whoever else then you know so i i know i can trust you and you can trust me it's not about okay. I'm, I'm gonna go over here, and because I'm black and you white, I gotta worry about you shooting me in the back. I never had that issue, right? So for me, like I said, certain parts of the stuff that's going on is it's a little foreign to me as far as like said, how people act to like the racism. I understand. I try to be open-minded and un- understand people's views on how they were raised. Because again, like I said, racism is something that I-, I feel that has to be taught. If you never teach a kid to hate, then they don't. You know, they 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 they'll grow into learning their own likes and dislikes of stuff on their own versus being taught that way. Like my. My daughter has what's called, uh, dis- as my wife said, discernment. She can tell like a vibe off people, you know, how, you know, if it's a good person or not. But if generally they're a good person, no matter if they're black, white, Asian, Hispanic, she goes up to them, gives them a hug all the time. That's just who she is. Because I don't teach my daughter to don't, hey, don't, don't talk to the person because of, of this. Don't talk to the person because of that. If yeah. we were if we were if we were taught never to if we actually followed that one rule we were taught when we were younger, uh, don't talk to strangers, we would never have friends. We wouldn't be on this phone call right now. Right. We, you know, so we would never meet people. 
we never get to other, never get to experience or understand different things in life. Yeah. Great point, Dwayne. Yeah, I, yeah. I just wanted to add, hey, uh, Dwayne, I'm just like you. My family is very racially diverse. Uh, I actually, I have, I have white cousins. You know, I got half mm-hmm. white cousins. Our family was taught to love, you know, uh, uh, people of all races, all colors. So I'm like you, where I'm seeing this happen and I see the racism and stuff. It hurts because, uh, uh, I wasn't taught to hate any race. Right. You know, I wasn't, ta- I wasn't taught that. You know, I, right. I have family back in Akron. You know, I have, White families that I call their parents my parents. They help make me into the person that I am today. And I am exactly. proud to call them my my second mom and dad. You know, I put them on Facebook. This is my second mom and dad. You know, I'm not afraid to do that because we were always taught to welcome, uh, welcome in everybody as family into your home. As long as you get the respect, you know, you give that respect. So, you know, I'm like you. It's very, very difficult right now for me to see the racism that's going on because we weren't taught to hate, you know, we weren't taught that. Right. And like I said, for me, is the hardest part of stuff going on for me right now is trying to explain to my daughter who pretty much loves everything and everybody and just happy-go-lucky general person explain to her, you know, why I participate in, you know, protest marches or why I'm, you know, putting together a, a peace summit or why I'm, you know, why we're doing this, that, and the other. And, you know, what's all, why we, I'm not letting her watch the news and, you know, because all the stuff is going on. I, I try to shield her as much as possible, but, but at the same time, I try to keep her, to have her innocence. My son, on the other hand, who's mm-hmm. 15, it's a different story. And a couple of years, he's going to be out in this world. I have to try to teach him and prepare him in a different way. Yeah. And it's and it's, it's painful, it, and it's it's scary to even have to have that conversation with him. Like, hey, like you said, when when it comes to certain people, and you, you know, when you have to act this way, or don't do this, or and like my wife. And her, like her mom and her aunts and her said they work for the police, so I try to you know bring them around them, and it's still like you still feel uneasy. Again, just just growing up in the neighborhood that we are, in, and it's it's still feel, it still feels uneasy at times. And it's not about it, and it, let me be clear, it's not about if they're black cops or white cops or Hispanic cops. It's just police in general, as you seen from like you said the the George Floyd thing, that it wasn't just all white cops. So it's not, it's not about just racism. It, this is a issue of right versus right, wrong versus wrong. And this is just wrong. Yeah, I think we can. Yeah, I, th- I think we all agree. We all agree. Let, I, w- I want to. Uh, I'm already I'm already going away from my outline, guys. Um <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I'm already, I'm, sorry we didn't no, no, I'm saying I'm already changing my outline. Okay. I want to know 
for me to you guys, uh, you know, uh, briefly, why? And and I don't want to I don't want to diminish this death or or anything else, but there have been there have been a lot of there have been a lot of deaths, killings at the hands of police. Okay. Mm-hmm. Why why is this happening? Um, upon the death of George Floyd, why didn't why why are people reacting differently? Why are so many more people um, vested in this? I I I I'll take a stab at that question. Um, so I grew up in a place of. And I'm, let me choose my words correctly and let me speak slowly. I have a speech impediment at times. So for me to speak publicly at times was a issue. So uh, I went from not speaking at all, um, staying in the background, um, to actually preaching in a pulpit at one point. My first message was you having to uh, live in faith, not in fear. I believe that was different now versus, say, uh, Trayvon or Tamir Rice or something like that is this was like the, the, the final straw. And even with his death, it's still been like three other people who, who got killed uh, within that's kind of been like swept under the rug because so much other stuff has been going on mm-hmm. since, since that time. Well, like this is like the, the past like two weeks. So is like I said, is people are at at their, their at their breaking point. Um, like like I told somebody before, yes, I I was in in the process with with Tamir Rice again. I have a son, I and I, I live in Cleveland. I have a son the same age. I I cannot see my son playing outside in the park, and a cop just rolled up and just shoot him without asking questions, without saying two words, without saying hey stop this and other. And then the next the, the next post you see or the next the news thing that comes up is, hey, this, this person of, of non-color, he grabbed the, 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 the cop's taser and he got tased and he didn't. But he didn't get shot to death. But this kid was just playing in the park, playing cops and robbers or just playing with a toy gun or whatever. And he got shot to death. He didn't. Shoot, there were no reports that he shot anybody. He didn't rob anybody. He was in the park by himself. You, you saw it. Everybody saw the video. Yeah. The cop rolled up and shot him instantly. No questions asked. So for me, I, I it's not just now an issue. For maybe the rest of the world, like I said, they got to that, that breaking point. Okay, you know what? This is more than enough. Like I said, this is not something that is new. This is not something that is Hey, you know, you know, he he's a a a, a poster boy or, or you know per- person or anything like that. Is hey, this person got cute on a live stream video, and we've had enough times of seeing this, and it's time to do something about it. Yeah. Right. I think a lot of people. Literally watched a man with life lose his life. He went from being alive to literally dying 
in front of the camera, people begging for these four officers to do something, and they did nothing. To me, that is evil on camera. That's evil on camera. I don't care what he did. That was taking a human life needlessly. And I think a lot of people saw that, you know, and, and needed to see the, the evil, the, the callousness, the, the, the don't care attitude of those officers while this man slowly died and called for his mother, called for his mother. You know, mm-hmm. what does it somebody to call their mom, asking for their mom, a grown man? He was a big man. He was a big man, a grown man to call for his dead mother. So people watch this in horror. And I finally think a lot of people are like, we got to do something about this. We have to do something. You know, this is, this just can't. Go so on. the way, so the way he died was, you know, more at a, uh, yeah, it, it, it was. The way he died was worse than seeing somebody shot, essentially. It's, is what you're I, I, yeah. you know, I watched it. Like you say, when 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 Samir got shot in the park, when when Trayvon got shot by the, by the community guy, the when the other guy got, got shot down the street, it, it's different. When like I said, they just, you know they use the phrase "I fear for my life" or whatever. This guy is on the ground in handcuffs, and you let you, you literally put your body and press and your, your whole body in his in his neck for almost nine minutes. You literally just, just strangled him to death. Yeah, there was Why no struggle him? or anything. There, there, there yeah. was no resistance. There was no struggling. He was not fighting back. Yeah. There was no cause for it. Yeah. Like I said, I think so, it's, it's more of the, the, the principle behind the matter now. Now, yeah. we, like I said, we've been seeing for, for years, you know what I'm saying, cops who was an unarmed black person. Cop, cop shot this person. Cop shot the lady and, and, and broke into her house and, and shot, shot her in the bed. It's, mm-hmm. That's like a, a normal thing now, and that's scary and beyond sad. That that's normal. This was uh, abnormal, right? Yeah, yeah. I and like I said, that I think that's that's the, that's the difference why this this particular case became a breaking point. Yeah. You have anything to add, Jeff? Yeah, for sure. Um, First of all, I think we've normalized a lot of really abnormal things over mm-hmm. the last few years. Um, yes. I just want to take a step back real quick, Dwayne, and um, tell you that I appreciate the fact that you serve this country. Um, and beyond that, I want to say how sad it makes me that this country has failed you in living up to the opportunity, the uh, promise of this country that you fought for. 
um, it's incredibly disappointing that we send people off to fight for ideals and we let them down when they come home. This is, and this is not something new. This, like you said, this has been going on for generations. Um, yep. But I think this country needs to be better than that. Um, if, if we truly want to aspire to be what we think we are, we need to do better for all of our citizens. Um, I, I, I agree. Yeah. One of the reasons why I named my company Doing Better Than Excellence. <laughs> I, I yeah. agree. We have to do better. We, we have to. We have to. I, I work for the VA now, and I, and I get the calls, and uh, people you know, they're stressed out and they're frustrated, and, and I'm like, I, I get it. Like I, I'm, I've been in your shoes. I, my family is, is full of military people. I get where you're coming from, and I, that's just what I understand. It is painful. Yeah. Well, you know, Rod and I have an ancestor who fought in the Revolutionary War. Um, that is- we we go back to 1635 on our mom's side um, in in wow. this new world. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of interesting history. Um, it was um, something that I spent a lot of time on over the years and. Learned a lot of interesting things. Um, but to answer Rod's question, um, I think what we've seen over the past uh, probably 11 and a half years, maybe 12 years, um, is the pendulum swing in this country. Um, we elected Barack Obama, which felt like um, an awakening in this country. It felt like, wow, maybe we've finally put this behind us. Um, A man who um, spoke very eloquently about hope, um, who inspired people, um, who, who was able to, at least on the surface, bring people together. Um, Certainly had, challenges um, with blowback from the established uh, Washington people. Um, But I think that promise and that time period led to the pendulum swinging the other way. And what we saw was a lot of very dark things boil to the surface. Um, Mm -hmm. It was, um, it, it, it was sort of um, uh, a license for every racist, every um, opportunist um, to piggyback on that event on those eight years. Um, and that culminated in the election of our current president, who has really made no uh, false pretenses about the fact that he is going to leverage every one of those things to his advantage. Um, again, this is not something new. This is going back to... 
um, George Wallace, um, Nixon and the Southern strategy, um, the whole idea that, that we can take these ingrained feelings in people and leverage them to our advantage um, to win power and authority in this country. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, I think what we've seen over the last three and a half years is the people who don't understand that that is a strategy Okay, Donald Trump is a symptom um, of the fact that people can be manipulated like that. And what's happened, I think, over the last year or so, maybe, maybe not even that long, is as more and more of these um, events have been captured live on video, uh, the, the outrage, not only in the black community, but... Um, in society in general, the outrage has stepped up and people who were silent before aren't willing to be silent anymore. Mm -hmm. So what was, what was once a, a black struggle is now an American struggle, a struggle against. You see it worldwide the use now. Of these it's right. it's a, it's a global structure. <laughs> It's a well, global Germany, Paris, everywhere. Like, no, this is right. enough is enough. Right. No, that's very true. I think you're you're seeing all around the world, um, people have had enough. Um, we we still have a segment of our society though that views anything outside of the U.S. as not mattering. Okay. Mm -hmm. it's only about what happens here, and. As you bring people to the realization that, um, you know what, it's no longer beneficial to think like that, um, they will start to agree on their own. Um, I think the, the process has taken generations to get people to that point, but I think we've, we've sped up that curve in the last few months. Um, and, you know, all, unfortunately, a lot of these, these events that have happened, um, George Floyd, Richard Brooks, um, are the catalyst to change people's minds and, and to move them beyond complacency. Yeah, I agree. Folks, we're going to take one short break to thank both of our sponsors, Skip and Stones, the shop at Etsy.com, 25% off Father's Day items through Father's Day, and T-ShirtHooligan.com. Check out the new designs, Just Pruitt and Running Back Legacy. And we have exciting news. This is the show. We are giving away the free T-shirt on this show. So if you listen to the show, you're eligible. All you have to do is DM me on Twitter. The word is unity. So DM that to at B. Or if you're listening on the grueling truth, you can send me an email. Rod.bloom at gmail.com. And we will take entries for a week. And then we will draw for a free t-shirt of your choice. Good luck. So guys, let's uh, 
let's talk about let's talk about something that's not easy and that is that's trying to get to solutions or or reform and there are several topics within this okay first of all I have to lead off with this because I want to know what you guys think of this. Again, this is something that I just saw in the news. Uh, uh, my wife, Kristen, mentioned this to me, so I thought we would talk about this. Um, there, there is a push to to erase parts of history now and to rename a lot of things, okay, and and a lot of things that people want to rename are things that are named after, uh, you know, Civil War generals of the South and stuff. And I have no problem with that, guys. I, you know, it, it was dumb to name these things after Civil War, you know, or after uh, people of the Confederacy. Anyway, so they weren't a part of the of the United States. So, so I 100% agree um, with that. Some of the things I, I hear seem to be silly to me, but I want to I want to get your thoughts on things across the board. And unfortunately, I don't I don't have a bunch of examples. But to me, the thing that seems uh, absurd is that people want to almost erase and forget about a portion of history, like it never happened. And I get the feeling that 50, 100, 200 years down the road. Some, you know, they're going to be scurrying to go back and rewrite that to put that back in to say, hey, this actually happened. We need to learn from it. OK, so. The thing I'm talking about is that um, whoever the parent company is, they've decided to to scrap the the Aunt Jemima, um, the syrup bottle. Okay? Yeah. So my wife comes in and says, she was getting rid of Aunt Jemima. She goes, I grew up with that. She goes, that's my favorite syrup. And she goes, she goes, it was just syrup to me. I didn't, she goes, and this is my wife. Okay. This isn't everybody. She goes, I didn't know she was black. (laughs) So, you know, I mean, and, and then she goes, she goes, and then she goes, Mrs. Butterworth, is she black too? I said, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, we don't think about that, okay, guys? So, so you tell me, where do you draw the line? Um, do you see, are all these symbols racist? Um, or are there things out there that are a part of your heritage that you want to continue? And, and what's going too far in trying to just get rid of everything, you know, that, that happened in the past 100 or 200 years? I, I agree. Some of the stuff is, is just people trying to fit in. You know, they were like that, that Me Too movement. Everybody just trying to fit in. Like Band-Aids making uh, a, a Band-Aid to match the skin tone. Uh, like you said, getting rid of ancient mama syrup. Uh, if you get rid of ancient mama syrup, you might as well get rid of Uncle Ben's rice. And cream of wheat cereal, and it's just, it's just like it's just some of stuff is just being silly. Yeah, can um, you not can you not sell any any product that has a person of color on the label? I mean, that's right. kind of being racist too. If you're if you're saying, oh, we well, can't do this anymore. 
Right, well, you know, you know it's, 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 it's weird. Like I said, people are just trying to fit in. Yeah. Well, well we're doing this, and we're, you know, we're, you know, we're not racist. We're, we're going to do this. Some, I, this is just my opinion because I've, I've seen it happen. Some people do things in order to say, um, to to try to to try to prove it. You know, some people say stuff like, um, like you you hear on movies or you hear on comics say, well, you know, I, I'm not racist. I, I have a black friend. That doesn't make you racist or not, <laughs> because you have your black experience. That, that doesn't mean it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you just trying to, you know, you try to prove a point. Yeah. You know, like like you said, if if that conversation with Colin Cameron kind of came out, uh, you know, four years ago, we say no, this is the reason why he's doing it. The we wouldn't have the conversation about Colin Cameron now. It wouldn't have been an issue because it would have came out then. Hey, this is why he's doing it. Okay, you know, maybe we should look at this issue. But now because everything is really an issue versus him just getting blackballed, now it's more of a, we need to really, really pay attention to this because it wasn't just him that did it. Mm-hmm. He, he, he might have been the face of, you know, who, or, or the person that started doing it, but a couple of his teammates, a couple of other players or other, other teams, you know, stuff like that, you know, followed his lead. Because it was a point of something that had to be done. Yeah. Hey, right. hey okay. Ross. Go ahead, Slim. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, Slim. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of towing a. I'm kind of towing a line on this because um, one thing I understand it's a brand and everybody's grown up with the brand and stuff like that. But also for years and years and years, African-Americans have tried to change that, you know, that label and Jemima. Um, It's, it's, you know, I actually went on Twitter today and and, because people were talking about this same subject. And and, uh, I, you know, of course, agree with you on the statues and stuff. I, I don't think they should be destroyed. Should be put. People feel that by taking them down, you're erasing history. Generally, is always going to be there. You know, these these generals are always going to be taught in history books and stuff. It's mm-hmm. just that you know, it's different. You know, um, I'll give an example. A friend of mine I went to school uh, college with here in Colorado Springs. Uh, he went on Facebook one day and talked about. Uh, the tearing down of the General Lee statue and how he had uh, ancestors that fought during the Confederate, you know, the uh, Civil War and how proud he is of that. And I said, you know, that's good and dandy, but also remember those soldiers also held my ancestors as slaves, you know. Um, people really think that by tearing down these statues that, that they're erasing the history. It's not a race in the history. It's more people don't understand that these a lot of these statues were built during the Jim Crow era, you know, to uh, intimidate and to uh, put down blacks, you know, uh, especially in the South. That was the purpose, you know, uh, that was the purpose of them building the statues uh, uh, was kind of a slap in the face to African-Americans. I just think that they shouldn't be destroyed. I think they should be put in a museum because it needs to be taught. History 
doesn't need to be erased. I just think there's a, a place where it should be taught, you know, uh, that in a statue in the middle of a park, because when I walk by it, it doesn't remind me of the, the great general. It reminds me of a great general that took care of slaves, you know, that held slaves, that wanted to fight for slaves. So, uh, right. going back, to, going back to the Aunt Jemima, it's, you know, I understand where you're coming from, Rod, you know, where your wife, I, I think that's great. I grew up, people don't, but it, it, you know what, if, if it's something that's, that's offensive, uh, then, then I don't have an issue, you know, with, uh-huh. with it going away. Uh-huh. It, uh-huh. My, my thought is I, I hate to see stuff, uh, you know, change just out of a knee jerk reaction because, oh, we right. might be offending somebody. Right, right. That's my thought. But if it's truly offensive, then, you know, that then sure, it, it should be it should be taken off the shelves. You, you know, I think it's more the history behind the Aunt Jemima, how it first started, I yeah. think, you know, uh, uh, you know, how it started in the reason with the Mammy culture, you know, uh, the Gone with the Wind and Mammy and stuff like that. I think that's, you know. Uh, the reason why, because of the you yeah. know the past history. But like you said, you got to be careful with the knee jerk reaction as well too. You know because you can't just turn around and take everything. You know. Yeah, I know that. I know the uh, the lady who was the the first, who was the what do I want to say the uh, um, you know who was Aunt Jemima first back in the back in the late eighteen hundreds who was the model or you know or the. The person for you know Aunt Jemima, she came from the minstrel shows, and I know that that's a very you know a very racist uh, you know arena. So I know that I know the history of it. Right, uh, right. So yeah, right. It, it's a touchy subject, and and it's going to be very interesting to see what other things are going to transpire because of this. You know, like you said, you don't want America to be too knee-jerk about everything, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree. But, but yeah, I have no, I think if stuff is truly offensive and not just offending one person, because let's face it, guys, there's going to be something that offends everybody. I mean, or there's going to be, you can pick <laughs> something out and there's going to be one person offended by it. By Pittsburgh Steelers. It. Yeah, Steelers are offensive. <laughs> let's get rid of. Them. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, you Steelers just hope. Everybody. That's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> you hope it's done right. So, it, um, let's move on. I, I know I didn't give you time to talk there, Jeff, but I I, I want to talk about uh, police reform. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on. Uh, police departments. Uh, people talking about abolishing police departments. What is really needed to reform police departments and how um, how do we best hold our officials and our police officers accountable while still giving them proper authority to to be able to do their job properly? Let me add that last important word. And Jeff, I'll let you kick this one off. All right. Um, it's interesting. Both of these topics 
Aunt Jemima, uh, defund the police, I think are both terrific examples of gaslighting. Um, what happens is people control the narrative to the point that, or the narrative is controlled to the point that people react to it in a way that is desirable to the person who's doing the gaslighting. So, for example, um, instead of seeing Colin Kaepernick kneeling as a protest against police brutality, the narrative becomes he's disrespecting the flag in the military. Um, Aunt Jemima, as opposed to looking at that at, as the blatantly racist symbol that it is, um, the narrative becomes, oh, here's more political correctness. Okay. Um, defunding the police as a, as a concept um, is not new. Again, um, police in England don't carry weapons. Um, around the world, there are different approaches to this topic. Um, only in America do we feel like ratcheting up the approach to, to policing and to military action makes us safer. We're the only place in the world that thinks we're safer because we can destroy the rest of the world a hundred times over. And it's because we've all been convinced that the alternative is not something any of us can live with or is it desirable. So when we talk about defunding the police, what we talk about is all of that money and all of those resources that go into locking up persons of color uh, for the most minor offenses, wouldn't it be better channeled toward positive life experiences and education for them? And we, we could send someone to Harvard for what it costs us to put them in prison for a year. So mm -hmm. instead of looking at this as what's the negative impact on policing, Let's look at this like, what would the positive impact be on society if we took a step back and said, okay, rather than finding ways to catch people doing something wrong, let's encourage them for doing something right. Yeah. Yeah. Dwayne? Well said. Well said. Well said. Yeah. yeah. What are your thoughts, Dwayne? So, defunding the police. Allow me to clarify my thoughts. Because somebody asked me about this the other day. I said, let, let me clarify what I think defunding the police should mean. Not mean get rid of the police and we should not have police. That is not what that means at all. Because I don't think that the world would be safe with a bunch of George Zimmerman walking around the streets. I don't think that's safe. Uh, point two. 
I, I agree that the, the funding, some of the funding that they receive um, should go to other uh, people or other uh, training programs or other uh, avenues to affect more positive change. Uh, I heard a uh, a podcast or a thing from the the leader of the, the Black Lives Movement. She was on on with um, Trevor Noah, and she said that the the point of the defunding police was to take some of the money that they get for arresting people for being homeless to buying shelters, you know, for the homeless. That way they get some off the street. And they're, not, they're not being arrested. You know, they're put in jail, you know, for, for being homeless. You're already in a bad situation. Why make it worse? Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, instead of, you know, uh, shooting somebody, you know, who, who has a mental illness, why not having, why not have a police negotiator there, you know, or, or somebody with more training, you know, to just talk to my talk to the person off the ledge, you know, versus, you know, say, well, let's, instantly we, we got to shoot him or, or tase him because, you know, he, he's off his meds. You know, that that's what I mean. Like, the, the not defund them, but the funding should go to other areas where it's more needed. It's interesting, Dwayne, that we find a way to do that many times with white criminals. That's mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, that was my point earlier. It it is interesting on how that works. Another another thing I always talk about matter is, is black or white is with like child support. If I'm, if I'm struggling trying to work trying to pay my child support. If I fall behind, I get arrested, I lose my license, I lose my job. How does that help me pay my child support? <laughs> Just asking Great. a question. <laughs> I'm, that, that, <laughs> you know I'm saying like the, the funding for, you know, for stuff like that, well, he got a bench work because he didn't pay his child support. That's stupid. Now you got to pay court calls and go. That's wasting a lot of people's time and a lot of people, you know, taxpayers money for stuff that, you know, should be going somewhere else. Yeah. And then you fall further behind. Yeah. Right. So that's what I say when I, when I when I think of defunding the police, like the funds that are going to certain projects or certain avenues to be defunded and go to somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. let let's hear what Slim has to say. Okay. Because, exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're you uh, growing up with your dad and everything. I I really want to hear what you have to say on this topic. Yeah, definitely. You know, I'm pro police. You know, I got mm-hmm. family that are cops. You know, of course, my father, rest his soul, was a cop. And I just want to expound on, you know, what Jeff and Dwayne said. You know, it's not about dismantling the police to me. It's about just taking those funds to do more stuff within the community. I want to see, you know, community, community, community. Um, the mayor of San Francisco just passed, uh, passed a law where I don't know if you saw on Twitter where uh, the person in San Francisco was spray painting. Black Lives Matter on his wall in front of his own home. And this couple thought he was just spray painting the wall. She said that she knows the neighbors, that she lived there, but she was lying. And she called the police. Well, the mayor of San Francisco just turned around and passed a law saying for calls like that, the police won't go there for them. They will send 
you know, another uh, uh, department, I guess, to handle those type of calls. You know, it's stuff like that. Um, I think it needs to be more so where you police the police. I think there needs to be more accountability. You know, uh, a job as a cop is a great, great responsibility, a great responsibility for the community. And I think when something bad like George Floyd happens, you know, or, or Rashard uh, Brooks happens, that or Eric Garner happens, that there should be that responsibility that's weighed in there on the decision, you know, uh, uh, on reprimanding the cops. Uh, I saw on MSNBC the other night in Buffalo, there was a black woman officer. Her name is Carol Horn, and she was fired after stopping a white cop, uh, fellow colleague, from choke holding uh, uh, suspect Neil Mack. Okay, she got, uh, yeah, she got uh, released from the force and she's trying to get her job back. And she's got a proposal that's going through uh, uh, in Buffalo. It's called Cario's Law. And what it does, it's, uh, uh, there's four points. Uh, mandatory statute on police bystander intervention. You know, so if you're a cop in that case with George Floyd, you better intervene, you know, to de-escalate that situation, you know, not just yeah. stand, you know, there's a mandatory statute, you know, for that, for a police bystander intervention. There's protection from retaliation, you know, from, you know, fellow colleagues or the union or whatever. Uh, external investigation with mandated reprimanding for abuse or misconduct which definitely needs to be done uh, and required reportable registry, you know, so hopefully that'll go through. I saw that she's trying to put it through there in Buffalo uh, to make it law. So hopefully, you know, that'll happen. And then you got things happening like, you know, Brianna's law in Louisville where, you know, you can't, there's no knock anymore, you know, no knock warrants are banned. You know, I wish that when Trump, turn around and did his executive order that he would have turned around and completely, you know, uh, made chokeholds illegal. You know, he left everything up with Congress and, and there are right steps. I'm going to give him credit. The GOP came out with something today and there's going to be discussion on it. It's a great step on, you know, getting things to where there's accountability for police and you have to build trust. You got to build trust again in those communities. You know, I would love to see uh, once that trust is built for the uh, policemen to turn around and try to recruit people from the neighborhoods, you know? Yeah. You know, some type of program where they go back to those neighborhoods to, to show, hey, you know, uh, policemen are good. They have to get back that accountability again. And uh, the funding or, you know, how people are saying dismantling the police isn't going to do that. It's not going to do that. So uh, I agree uh, with Jeff and with Dwayne. You know, I just think the funds need to be shifted towards other things. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you guys. So let, let's... Uh... 
let's kind of go a little bit a little bit deeper um, systemic racism and the the overall economic disadvantages faced by African Americans in, in 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 the U.S. We could go over a thousand statistics. Okay, um, we know that this is a fact. Okay, that that uh, um, the whites, you know, um, have have uh, pretty much uh, pretty much an advantage everywhere. Okay, whether it's uh, you know the pay for the same job, whether it's you know uh, life expectancy, uh, pretty much any anything um, you know that you want to name. Um, I, I had written down who's to blame. Uh, you know, at this point, it really doesn't matter. I mean, this this has been in place for years and years and years. How do we progress? How how does this get better? How do how does the gap get narrowed? Um, Dwayne, we'll let you go first on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a tough question and it's really tough. Um, I mean, obviously guys, if, if these were, if these were easy issues, you know, yeah, um, they, would all, they would have all been right. fixed a long time right. ago. Right. Um, right. You know, we've been going through this for years and years and years. And, you know, when, when I was a, um, you know, even when I would think back to being in high school and stuff and, and, you know, or, or school and learning about Martin Luther King, I never thought I'd, you know, have you know have kids that are out of school and, and and racism would still be an issue but here we are you know yeah so how do we start the uh, transformation of systemic racism um the redlining and uh, the generational curses and all that, that stuff i said there's so many different avenues and different ways to uh, try to address this issue. Um, but first, we're going to start with accountability of ourselves. Um, this is not for me. Again, I, I grew up a little differently from everybody else. I, I grew up in the, in the military family. I understand. I've, I grew up uh, also with my, my mom and my stepfather. Uh, in, in the domestic violence relationship, so I understand uh, a lot of different things from a lot of different perspectives. Um, black, black or white, it it really doesn't matter uh, until we take accountability of ourselves. Because some stuff we can overcome. Because you you can hear you know a lot of different situations, and you can see a lot of different people. Like you mentioned, uh, uh, Barack Obama earlier, there was nothing that held him back. It was his mindset that he wanted he wanted to be different. You know, he grew up on the south side of Chicago in a, in a rough neighborhood, but his parents was like, "Hey, no, you're going to go to school. You're going to get an education. You're going to learn how to do this. You're going to you know do better. You're going to make time. You're going to do this." And he grew. He wanted to do better. So some of the blame is on us because again we have to want to do better um it's not always we have to stop one let's say point point the finger at other people well you 
you know, oh, I can't get I can't get this done because you know the white man held me down or oh, this person hold, hold me back. No, not necessarily. Because uh, I, I, you know, with my job and, and my disability and my my degrees and stuff like that, I make almost a hundred grand a year. I, I don't, I don't, I work my my hind parts off to get to where I'm at. I don't let people hold me back. Only person holds me back is me. I, cause again, I can't. I take accountability for myself. Most people will say that. Well, I, you know, I grew up in a, in a rough neighborhood, and and I and I, you know, I, I can't overcome this. You first of all, you have a defeatist mindset. When you first first thing you say is I can't. Can is not a real word. It's no longer in a dictionary. But we've been taught for so many years to use that word. You know, when when, when it's time to get hard. Why well, can't you do it? And just give up. I, that's one of the classes when I teach people is we teach people to think differently, not think outside the box. Because again, if you think outside the box, you you still putting yourself in a box, a somewhat of a a, a block to stop you from getting to to a certain point. Think differently. Realize that there is no box. Realize that there is no limit to the sky, so you can't. Don't say stuff like, "This what well, the sky is the limit." There is no limit to the sky, is there? Can I just follow up on that, Rod? Sure, go ahead. Um, I think that's admirable, Dwayne. Um, I'm not. A big believer in the bootstraps argument for this reason. Um, the, the, the counter argument is, or the, the, the comparison is, um, if you don't want to get shot by a police officer, just don't do anything wrong. And the reality is, is that that takes the systemic aspects of it out of play. Um, good for you that you've been able to do that with your life, but not everybody has the same opportunity. Um, what do we do to, to fix this? I, well, I think, yes, absolutely. A certain amount of it comes within the individual, but I also believe that there need to be strong incentives and, and, and laws in place to give people opportunity who would not get it otherwise. Um, and I'll use the example of the Rooney rule to kind of bring this back to football. Um, Rada, I know that you've talked about the Rooney rule in the past and yeah, none of us want there to be a need for the Rooney rule. But the reality is, is we still need it. And until opportunities truly are equal, those kinds of things are the counterbalance. So there needs to be affirmative action. There needs to be um, a realization by people that just because we give one person an opportunity doesn't mean we're taking an opportunity away from somebody else. 
Okay, just by by placing a, a, a or or hiring somebody who would not get an opportunity otherwise, the dialogue becomes, well, we took that job away from so and so. That's not the case. We all get better by bringing everybody else up. All ships rise when we improve opportunity in this great melting pot that we live in. So, yeah, I believe absolutely it's, it's based on individuals seizing opportunity. But I think as, as a society, um, we need to do a better job of, of making opportunity available. Nah, nah, that part I agree with. That, that was the, the first part is we have to take kind of be for ourselves. And like I said, the second part is there has to be opportunities that, that are made available. But like you said, people have to want to take those opportunities. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, right. And uh, you need to get out and vote. You know, vote for those people that want to see that change. You know? Right. Um, I, I, you got, you know, I'm going to go, personally, I put it upon myself. I'm going to go out there and help push, you know, for Biden. Be, you know, uh, push for change. Vote for those people that are going to help change, you know, because systemic racism is there. You know, the proof is with, you know, the Department of Justice is going investigating now the Minnesota Police Department, you know, for civil rights violations. It's still there. It's still there. You just got, you know, we have to turn around and get to the polls and, and, and vote these people that want it, that see what we see and, and to make the change that we want. You know, that, that's one of the only ways that, that things are going to get better is if we put those people in there to make those changes to where, uh, uh, somebody, you know, I hate to go back to the political where Trump turned around and takes away a lot of what Obama did. You know, uh, for example, with the policing, you know, he tried not to military, militarize the police. You know, Trump took that away. You know, here we now we have these problems as well, too. You know, so we need to put those people, right people in those positions to where we can see change and have our communities turn around and push those people for the change that's needed. I, I would agree with that, Slim. Let me just add one thing. You need to educate, your, not you personally, but each individual needs to educate themselves on every layer of representation, not just the guy right. sitting in the White House. Right. Yeah. I guarantee you that, that, that if you walk down the street and ask 10 people who their congressional representative was, they would look at you. Nine of them would say, I have no idea. Yep. It's even worse at the state and local level. Okay. If yeah. you don't know who's representing you, you can't you can't expect them to represent you. That, that, that was the point I was getting ready to make. I'm glad you brought it up. I'll, who says that you cannot go talk to your, your, your councilman or, or you can't go talk to your, your your state representative? You elected them. They got they, you know you were you voted for them. You have that right. That, that's the whole point of them having an open door policy for you to go talk to them. Right. Absolutely. I've had so many conversations over the years with people who, you know, they want to talk to me about politics, but they don't even they don't even know what the three branches of government are. OK, 
you know, and, and that ends the conversation for me. I mean, look, we, we need to have these conversations. We need to be open and, and receptive to, to other thoughts and ideas. But please, at least educate, you know, be educated enough that we can have somewhat of an intelligent conversation. Don't just <laughs> spit back to me the things that you hear on some stupid news program. Right. Hey, guys, we all want to see better race relations across the country. So how can we all as individuals, uh, how can we all set a better example? And not just by our own actions, but how can we, you know, help that to spread to other people? And what you're doing right now, Rod, perfect example. You didn't have, (laughs) seriously, no, no, I'm dead serious. You didn't have to do this. You didn't have to talk about this. It it was important. It was very important. So, Thank yeah. you. Thank you. So you got to see the importance in it in order to be able to to do it. And, and you're going to reach a lot of people through this. You know, that's why at the beginning, I thanked you. And uh, the that's what B said podcast. The ladies there, you know, Kevin, the voice of the land, you know, always positive. Jay, he's done a couple Zoom uh, uh, projects. Uh, uh, David, big play. Uh, people like uh, Jenna, who has her own T-shirt, uh, Beleza in Style, she turned around and is doing a BL, uh, BLM uh, line where 25% is going to George Floyd and his family. Things like that, nice. yeah. you know, where they're taking action because you feel that it's important enough. You have to feel that it's important enough before you're able to turn around and do something like that. I know that there's people sitting back there and say what I, you know, what should I do? The first thing you should do is talk, talk about mm-hmm. it. Whether it's with, whether it's with your friends, is with your family. Sit down and talk to them about it. You know, that's the only way that that the the subjects, even though as uncomfortable as it is, that's the way where you're going to start to 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 see the change. You know, and where eventually, I think now. Um, you're seeing the power of the people, you know, the power of the people, you know, unfortunately is because of these deaths, but you're now seeing the power of the people starting to help make changes or take steps towards changes. And that's how it, and that's how it works. It's the, you know, need to know that the power of the people is, you know, uh, is a very strong, uh, ally, you know, we're all in this together. You know, we're all in this together to end racism. So it starts with conversation. Yeah, Dwayne. And to add on to that, once you have the conversation, and the next thing you need is unity. Everybody getting on the same page. We're all coming to an agreement. We agree to a disagree, but we we all going to uh, come to come to a, a point where. Like I said, we all are in agreement that this has to end. How we get to that point and you know, the end product of how to end it, you know, we may disagree on, but the end goal is, is the same result. This has to end. Sir, and we all unify. Yes, sir. Uh, Jeff? I, I, I agree with those guys. I mean, um, I just, one final thought on um, 
how we start to communicate better with people. Um, number one, I don't think it's by calling people names. Um, I don't think it's by attacking things that aren't relevant. Um, I think you do it um, from a place of understanding what your own shortcomings have been um, and trying to do a better job for yourself and set the example for everybody else in your life. Um, and being willing to take that risk um, and have that conversation with somebody who, you know, may have had a completely different experience than you, um, good or bad, um, and, and being able to empathize with them before jumping to conclusions about the experiences and, you know, how that relates to the experiences in your life. Just because something doesn't impact you doesn't mean that somebody else isn't impacted by it. And, and be willing to listen to how it has impacted them. Definitely. I have one, uh, one closing point and then we'll, we'll see if you guys have, I'll, uh, I'll give you all a chance to make some closing remarks then after this. Uh, I think uh, I think it's obvious that we're uh, it's probably a fact. I don't have any stats. We're seeing uh, a lot more, um, or I would just say that there are a lot more families now. You, you guys both talked, um, uh, Dwayne and some you both talked about that there's uh, you know mixed race uh, that your families are mixed uh, mixed racially and so forth, um, and and that. I think that that is something that's becoming more and more common, and there are a lot more people that are are uh, um, racial, you know, mixed mixed race. I want to know if that is something that is going to eventually help to uh, to eliminate racism as this becomes, uh, you know, more and more more and more common as you know uh, throughout the country and also want to know can we all be americans one day i'm going to tell you guys and, and i know that i know that they do these government monitoring things uh they do it on on my job in the mortgage business you know where you got to check what what race you are you know um and and everything um and and you know, and the other countries all have blocks. You know, you can say you're, you're, you know, Asian Pacific Islander or, you know, or something like that. There's no block for American. There's, you know, there's uh, African American, there's white, there's, you know, all these other ones. You know, do you think we'll have an American block one day uh, versus uh, worrying about what color everybody is? So, uh, Slim, why don't you lead us off on this? Oh, that that's a that's a good question. That's uh, very interesting. Um, huh. I feel that I'm an American uh, already. Um, black American to me is a, a, a subset. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I think 
we're a very diverse country and I think we should praise our adversity. You know, we should appraise, uh, we should praise the Italian American side. We should praise the black American. We should praise the Mexican American. I think that's what makes this country so beautiful. But, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, as far as going with the, you know, like with the census and stuff like that, uh, Man, that's a that's a great question uh, <laughs> because you know I'd like to say I'm American. You know, I fly to other countries. I'm American. I don't say I'm Black American. I say I'm American. I'm from America. Yeah, and know? and you make a great point. I I don't want anybody to forget their heritage. I to me it's it's troubling how people always want to divide us up as Americans. And I think there's times when when you need to appreciate your heritage and there's times when we just need to think of ourselves as Americans that we're all, you know, kind of trying to work on something together. That's all. Right, right, right. And, and I, you know, prime example, uh, uh, the Puerto Rican. Puerto Rican people are so proud of their country, you know, with the flag and, and everything. It just showed so much pride. You know, I see with Brazil when I go to Brazil. Brazilians are just so prideful. It doesn't matter if you're uh, a black Brazilian or, or you know, other heritage. You're Brazilian, you know, and, and there's such a uh, uh, pride in the country. And mm-hmm. I hope I hope one day that we get to that point where as one country, you know, as we could say, we're American. Uh, it's going to take a while. You know, this is a great right now what's happening. It's a fantastic start. It's a great start. It's just going to be a while before I think it gets to that point. And as far as uh, mixed, you know, you asked the question about mixed race. I think, you know, I have mixed race, of course, in my family. And uh, I have some that are totally Republican. You know, I have some that are totally Democrat. You know, that's just what I think that's America. You know, to me, that's America Uh, that, you know, we have our great discussions, of course, you know, uh, it just depends on how your your upbringing, you know, what your upbringing is, has a big part to do with that. Yeah. So what do you think, Jeff? Sorry, Uh, sorry, I was muted. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, we lost you. I thought you fell asleep. No, no, um, no. I'm, I'm right there. Um, look, what I mentioned before, our, uh, on our mom's side, um, our ancestors came to America in 1635. Um, on our dad's side, um, it was around the turn of the 20th century, uh, late late 19th century. Um, we are. English, we're German, we're probably a few other things sprinkled in, um, but we are about as white as white can be, um, and we're we're enough generations into this country that um, you know we we can check the box American I think at this point because we really don't identify with anything else. You know, I mean, I, I certainly don't think of myself as, um, you know, having any German um, 
uh, traditions, uh, you know, or anything along those lines, you know. Um, and on, on the other side, again, you know, we, we were English, you know. Um, so for us, you know, I, I would think it's, it's a pretty straightforward question. Um, but the reality is, is that every people that have come to this country have had some um, resistance from the people who were already here. Um, you know, the, the, the Italians, uh, who, who came, um, were, were viewed as, um, you know, lazy and, um, the Irish were viewed as drunks and, you know, every, everybody had some opinion of people who were different, but that's really what makes us so unique in the world is that we don't have a, I mean, aside from Native American, which, you know, we, who we basically stole this country from, um, you know, there, there aren't any real Americans, you know, mm-hmm. we're all, we're, we're all something, you know, so, and melting us all together is what has, has made us great, but it's also what has defined this struggle. Um, now, of course, there's the, the, the huge difference that, you know, African Americans didn't come here by choice. So, you know, that's, that, that kind of separates, uh, you know, them as a subgroup. Um, but, um, I think realistically, um, that will always be a part of who we are as a country. Um, good, bad, or indifferent, there will always be somebody that we single out. Um, you know, we haven't talked about the LBGTQ community. We haven't talked about women. Um, there are yeah. so many ways that we uh, are biased, are prejudiced, and and are repressive against different peoples. Um, that I just think it's woven into our fabric. And there's probably a, a better chance that that we will destroy humanity. Uh, at some point in, in the not too distant future, then that we will all of a sudden all become, you know, alike enough that we don't see these differences anymore. So we better figure out how to coexist with these differences and, um, and stop being our own worst enemies, uh, by, by aligning ourselves with people who will use that against us to stay in power. So let's, let's stop listening to the, to the dog whistle politics and let's start holding our representatives responsible and accountable and, and make them deliver on that American dream that we talked about before. And Dwayne, what are your thoughts? I was I was deep in thought. I, 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 was, I was taking me there. Uh, yeah, I, I was thinking about a whole lot, whole lot of stuff that you said. You made a lot of lot of valid points on a lot of different things. Um, so let, let's start from from the beginning. Question: 
when you said when we check, check the boxes on, on like the senses and on tests and stuff like that since forever. Is I don't know if it's just me, but has anybody ever noticed that after all of these years, as you, as you pointed out, it's still it's still on there that says black, white, then it says Asian, Asian Pacific, uh, Hispanic, whatever. We're the only ones that are still called by a color, not by a race. I just find that very yeah. interesting. So, but, mm-hmm. so when you ask the point, like, how, how, when will we be just called Americans, or when we just get to the point where we just become as as people, as human? Um, it, like I said, it may take a a long while because there's a lot of things that have to uh, get fixed first. Um, then you brought up another point of, like I said, we we've been in this country for so long. Well, I said we started off, you know, you know, eons ago. Uh, and when people look at, like, I'll just say for, for me, for my heritage, when people look at me, they, they see the, the outside version of the color of my skin, and instantly he, he's, he's black. He, you know, he's African-American. No. My mom's side of the family is uh, Indian. My dad's side of the family is, is from Jamaica. So at no part am I African-American. I was born in America, so yeah, that makes me American, but at no point I have I ever been from uh, from Africa. So I don't consider myself an African American because I had never. I've been to Africa once, but my family come is actually was born and raised here, in America. I would consider myself more an Indian or a Pacific Islander than uh, a Black American or, or African American. But because, like I said, because of the way, like you said, people how they prejudge and they instantly yeah. they see the color of your skin, they they instantly categorize you or like you know or subdivision. It's like, well, you, you fit over here with these people, or you fit over here with these people. I say because you, people look at you, you see, you see the color of your skin, well, well, he's just white. Well, no, you, you're Irish and, and, and German and English and a whole bunch of other stuff. You see what I'm saying? Because from generations of, of um, like I said, being mixed races, and, and, you know, this person fell in love with this person, this person fell in love with this person, and they had a kid. Now, you you know, this person is mixed, and now this person, this mixed person had a, had a baby with another mixed person. So, like I said, you know, now we like 10, 20 generations in. How can you say that, you know, we're just, we're just this race or that race? Yeah. So we're like, we're at the point where we should, we should, I, I'm agreeing with you, we should just be called, and we're just Americans, period. We shouldn't, we shouldn't keep dividing ourselves into, you know, this subcategory or that subcategory because how can you define a, a person just by looking at them? Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, and I, I worked with a guy for uh, quite a while who um, who was from Jamaica, and he got he had people call or uh, not call him, but you know suggested he was African American all the time, and you know, he wasn't offended by it. He just kind of laughed about it. But it's like he goes like I'm not. He goes I'm from Jamaica. <laughs> he's just mm-hmm. he, it, it was ridiculous. He's like you know it's it's not who I am. So. And he even he even had a little bit of a Jamaican accent, a little bit, kind of worn off. But yeah, so <laughs> right. yeah, people do. People definitely judge. So I didn't mean to interrupt. Did you have anything anything else to add there, Dwayne? No. Okay. Okay, then uh, let let's say I want to give you guys each uh, just just a chance to 
have some closing words. So, uh, Slim, why don't you uh, lead us off? Uh, we appreciate, we really appreciate you coming on and talking. Uh, it's been fun, and um, I, I want to have you back when we talk more football. Yeah. Okay, yeah, definitely. Definitely, so, yes. Uh, and um, I know everybody's following you on Twitter already, but what your uh, what's your handle? Is it is it just at Slimdog? Oh uh, yeah, it's just at, at Slimdog. At, at so, Slimdog. So, okay. Yes, it is. Yes. Hey, I want to thank you, Rod uh, Brown's Blitz. Uh, great, great show. I've listened to your other shows, and I just want to let you know while we were here doing this discussion. I was drinking my 22-ounce Guinness Extra Stout, just to let you know. Usually, you begin with the beer. <laughs> we do. Um, we decided yes, not to. Yes, I, asked, I asked Jeff. Yes, Jeff had a beer before the show. I did not. And I'm like, yeah, I guess I should have asked you guys. We could have talked beer. <laughs> See, we'll, do, exactly. we'll do it next time. Yeah, we'll do it next time. It tells you that I listen. You know, I had my beer. I wouldn't. You know, I hadn't drank in about two months. So, And I turned around and said, just for this occasion. You know, I got the Guinness Extra Stout 22 out. So, yes, I just want to let you know that. But I do. I, I really want to thank you. Um, you're definitely making a change out there with this. Um, Thanks, I Seriously, I appreciate what you do. And uh, I can't wait to see you again. So, we, you know, get together, share beer, talk about Browns and 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 uh you're definitely making a change. You're doing more than what you know that you're doing. Uh, uh, this is how things start. Maybe, you know, from this, somebody else will turn around and decide to do a podcast on it now uh, and see the conversation that we had. So uh, I just want to thank you again for inviting me. I was a little nervous coming on here, but, you know, uh, these two hours have gone by super fast. And, I'm, you know, <laughs> we didn't. You know, we didn't even swap, you know, personal stories, you know. Uh, uh, you know, if we would have swapped that, it would have been another couple hours for that, you know. Uh, this has been my longest podcast, but, yeah. Yeah, but it's been, yeah. It's, been, it's been well yeah, worth watching. Yeah, it, it definitely, definitely. You know, and if you ever decide to do something else again, you know, after, you know, we see how things go, uh, feel free to let me know. I'll be, I'll be more than honored to come on. But uh, also, I want to thank you, Jeff. Uh, just some great insight. Gave me a lot of things to think about and mull about. And also, you, Dwayne, thank you. And keep teaching. Keep teaching them out there. You know, you're doing a great thing. Uh, uh, I just wish you all the best. And, and hopefully, you know, we can all together, we can make a change, in, you know, in America. And uh, hopefully we'll see how things go over these next few weeks. All right. Thanks a lot, Slim. Uh, Dwayne, why don't you uh, uh, give us some words of wisdom or whatever you'd like to share? All right. Final words of wisdom. <laughs> um, first things first, like, again, I do appreciate you guys. Um, like I said, it's, it's always a very educational, very enlightening experience. Uh, so talk, talking to you, Rod. Like I told you, before we started talking about doing a podcast, I said I enjoy have, having these talks. To be able to, like I said, start these conversations and be able to, you know, air things out between the people of different backgrounds. Because, like you said, this is how we make change. We have to get, you know, each other's perspective, you know, without, you know, uh, 
the news media or and let's so as as some I was saying, you know, over a beer, and we're just sitting back, just talking, you know, hey, this is how we, you know, this is how I feel about to fix it, or this is how, you know, my opinion on this. And we, you know, so everybody, you know, is in agreement, even if on some part that we had different perspectives or disagreed on it, it wasn't a big um, argument. You know, it was, hey, you know, mm-hmm. I don't disagree with, but this is why. And, 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 we're, and we're, we're okay with that because we can have that conversation. But like I said, that's how we make change. It's starting that, that conversation. So again, I appreciate all of you guys taking your time out. You could have been anywhere doing anything else. Uh, you know, so I appreciate you guys, you know, listening to me, being on the call or ride, Jeff, and I know and it's probably your bedtime and stuff. You know, that's that what Ryan <laughs> said. I didn't say that. <laughs> uh, uh, I appreciate you guys, you know, uh, like they're taking your time out and, you know, Having an open conversation. And I said, I look forward to other conversations. And hopefully, like to come in about three months, we actually have some football to talk about. So that's right. Unless all this other stuff, the other chaos and nonsense and foolishness in the world um, goes away. Right. And Dwayne, I didn't I didn't give you a chance to give your Twitter handle. I know it's something real fancy. So and I can't remember it. I'm going to let you get it's, that it's out. DB Excellence. It's that DB Excellence. DB Excellence. All right. Yep. Thanks so much, Dwayne. It's been a pleasure. Uh, Jeff, why don't you uh, close this out here? All right. Um, Slim and Dwayne, it's been an honor and a privilege spending the last two hours with you guys. Um, I appreciate you indulging me on my soapbox. Um, can you tell that I was a political science major at Kent State? Oh, no doubt. I was going to say you should run for office. (laughs) Um, yeah, you know, I I didn't even get started on May 4th, 1970. There's there's so many other ways we could go with this whole conversation, but, um, this, this has been great. Um, again, I, I just, I, I want to acknowledge that, you know, my brother is outside his comfort zone on this and, um, what a big deal that was for him to, to do this. Um, so I, I really appreciate the fact that, that we did this tonight. Um, I hope it's a good start, um, for some other conversations that we can have, um, in person, on Twitter, wherever. Um, I would just like to throw out a challenge to all of you guys. I mean, I know you have a ton of followers on Twitter. Um, let's come up with a way that when we all see each other, which I hope will be at top dog tailgate or one of the games. Um, when we all see each other, um, there can be a way that we can all identify our solidarity, whether it's, uh, the ball cap or, you know, a button or, or whatever it is. Um, I would like us all to come together as Browns fans. Um, and more importantly as friends, um, to show that we uh, have had these conversations, we care about each other, and um, we want to spread that message to others. Um, so thanks for thanks for having me. I think we can come up with something like that. So uh, we'll we'll definitely work on that, Jeff. Yeah, we will we will uh, we will find a way um, something fitting. 
um, something that, that'll work and uh, be a, a positive symbol. So we'll do that. So I want to thank all three of you guys. Uh, it's, you know, um, like Jeff said, uh, a little bit outside of my comfort zone, but you have to, you have to grow guys. Um, you, you have to learn. And, um, you know, I, I, uh, I haven't always, um, you know, the, the initial stages with Colin Kaepernick, I, you know, I didn't interpret things right. Uh, you know, I, I was on the side of, of thinking that he was, uh, disparaging the flag. Uh, you know, I didn't understand. Uh, so, you know, I, I've learned, um, you know, that's obviously something we really didn't even get into that much tonight, but, um, but I understand how important this issue is. So it, it was a discussion that I really, really wanted to have. And I'm glad that we were able to all come together and have this. And hopefully, uh, hopefully this will have some impact on some, some people, uh, even if it doesn't uh, change the world. Hopefully, like uh, like like you guys pretty much all said, hopefully it'll get conversations started that haven't been started yet, and maybe we can get this thing rolling. So I thank all you guys, and this has been the Browns Blitz. We will catch you next time.